Coincidentally, and I'll put the word coincidentally in quotes because with the things of God, uh, often what seems to be a coincidence is not really a coincidence at all. I had a conversation with someone who said to me, you know, the big question in life, he said, is what is the sublime, the beautiful, the worthy? He says, I've been trying to find that all, all my life. That's what he said to me. This is a man who was in his 60s. He's a believer, but he's very much an intellectual who uh, I think his intellect tends to hold things at a distance in a way so that he might examine them. But he said to me, I want to know, uh, what is the sublime? What is the sublime? What is the, the, the pure, the good, the holy, the, the, the best goal for life? He says, I've been trying to find that all my life. Well, coincidentally, this is what Yeshua speaks about to us in this week's Torah, uh, New Covenant reading. And that's what I want to talk about with you. So let's have a word of prayer. I need all the help I can get. I want to pray before I speak any further. So let's join me in prayer. Merciful God, show your mercy to us, I pray. You know that I perhaps more than anyone in the room, need your mercy. I ask for your mercy, not just for me, but for the people gathered here, that by your spirit, you would awaken our souls, you would uh, uh, encourage our hearts, you would, that the wind of your spirit would fill the sails of our lives so that we might move in the direction which you consider best. Uh, we don't dare to do this uh, message in our own strength because it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words you have spoken to us, they are spirit and they are life. Yes. So may they be spirit and life to your people gathered here. And may we go forth from this place filled with that spirit and filled with that life so that others will be drawn to your kingdom. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. So, here, coincidentally, is the issue of today's Hadashah, New Covenant reading. Overcoming obstacles to a fruitful life. Yeshua says, in this passage that was read so nicely by Lucille, a person with a fruitful life is one who hears the message of the kingdom and understands it. I'll say it again. A person with a fruitful life is a person who hears the message of the kingdom and understands it. Now that might seem very simple to you, but it's not simple at all. So we're going to look at a few, uh, a few issues today. Come on, baby. There you go. Our focus today, we want to look at five things. Usually I try to restrict myself to three, but this is a very, very rich passage. So there are five things that we need to unpack in today's message, and that's this. What does it mean to hear? Because Yeshua, uh, because, uh, uh, Yeshua says, again, a person with a fruitful life hears 
the message of the, the message of the kingdom and understands it. So we need to know what does it mean to hear? What does it mean to understand? What is the message of the kingdom? If I stopped right now and asked you, well, what's the message of the kingdom? I'd get 13 different answers. Easy. Well, this is an important question. What is the message of the kingdom? And Yeshua talks in this parable about the sower going out to sow, and he talks about obstacles to bearing a fruitful life. What are the obstacles to a fruitful life? And by the way, what do we mean by fruitful? If I ask you all that question, this is no offense intended to you, but uh, we'd get, again, we'd get a whole flock of different uh, answers. So, uh, let's, let's begin first with the, the first question. What does it mean to hear? To hear is a kind of listening. It is to have something register on you in a manner which spurs you to appropriate action. My wife has great grief living with me because I have two handicaps. Number one, I'm a man. Men are not good at listening. Number two, I've got two hearing aids. So I, I'm doubly bad at hearing. But how do you know, wives or potential wives or husbands, how do you know when your spouse is listening? If something registers on them in a manner which spurs them to appropriate action. Okay, now, that's the first question. That's what it, what, it, what it means to hear, to have something register on you. We need to hear the message of the kingdom. It needs to register on us and spur us to appropriate action. Now, I'm going to have to unpack that for you, but this is where we're heading. Okay, let's go on next. What does it mean to understand? To understand is to internalize something and embrace its implications. To internalize it and embrace its implications. The hearer and the message mutually inhabit each other. The message lives in you, and you live in the message. So let's look at that again. I repeat myself, but it's a necessary thing in order for words and concepts to sink in with us. Let's look at it again. To understand is to internalize something and embrace its implications. The hearer and the message mutually inhabit each other. The message lives in you, and you live in the message. That's what it means to understand. Okay? Number three. What is the message of the kingdom? Usually when people read this parable, they think that it's about the, the Bible, that the sower goes out to sow the Bible. Well, the Bible, uh, the New Covenant, uh, since didn't exist then, he's not going out and sowing Bible verses. He's sowing the message of the kingdom. But what is, what is the message of the kingdom? This is so important. It's terrifying to speak to you guys. Because the things I speak of are so important that if, if I do poorly, it's, it's, a, it's a tragedy. 
The message of the kingdom is a summons, it's an invitation, it's an opportunity to engage with who God is, with what he is up to in the world, honoring Yeshua in the power of the Spirit. It is God's summons to deeply know our King and to serve his purposes in the here and now. It is to live an accompanied life. The word of the kingdom is the summons, invitation, opportunity to engage with God in uh, what he is up to in the world, honoring Yeshua in the power of the Spirit. There it is again. It is a life in which God's name is treated as holy, a life in which his kingdom comes because his will is done in our lives, on earth as it is in heaven. This is the fruitful life. This is the sublime life. It's a life worth living. It's a life that is not wasted. It's a life that is meant as it was meant to be, a life of partnering with God, a life with God, filled with his spirit, serving his purposes in the world. But what are the obstacles? What are the obstacles to embracing and living this kind of fruitful life where we have internalized and embraced and are accepting the implications of this summons, this invitation, this opportunity to engage with God as, uh, and to know him deeply and to serve his purposes in the world. Yeshua tells this parable, seemingly nice little agrarian story, but this is deadly serious. What are the obstacles? The first obstacle to a fruitful life is when people who stay, is people who stay rooted in their comfort zone, they tune out competing voices. I've encountered people like this. Nice people, respectable people, but people who never move off of a small bit of territory that they protect. They don't want any risks in their life. They stay in their comfort zone. Yeshua says it this way, for anyone who has will be given more so that he will have plenty but from anyone who has nothing, even what he does have will be taken away. Here is why he speaks to them in parables. They look without seeing. They listen without hearing or understanding. You will keep on hearing but never understand and keep on seeing but never perceive because the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they barely hear. They don't want a challenge to their status quo. With their eyes, they have closed. They don't want to be bothered with the risk of what they have so as not to see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and do teshuva, to turn around so that I could heal them. They, they, they fail to engage with what is presented. They are shielded against it. He goes on to say, whoever hears the message about the kingdom but doesn't understand it, it's like a seed sown along the path. That's how he likes, he, he likes them to. Uh, a, a seed sown along the path. Just, uh, just uh, hold on a second. The evil one comes and seizes 
what was sown uh, uh, in the heart. This should remind us that the kingdom of darkness is committed to keeping us from noticing, from registering, from engaging with the invitation to be engaged with the kingdom of God. You know, that the evil one would bother to steal the seed that we have just left laying there. That's very, very interesting to me. That's what Yeshua says. He knows what he's talking about. Even our little trivial lives are left trivial. Uh, we're made in the image of God, but our little trivial self-protective lives are left trivial partly because we don't bother to engage with anything that threatens our comfort zone. But when we don't do that, then that seed is stolen from us. It ceases to, to, to sit there. It ceases to be in proximity, to germinate. That's the first obstacle. The second one. A person who is habituated to a superficial wait-and-see, uh, who's habituated to superficial wait-and-see, no-risk engagements. <laughs> Interesting. This is a person who always leaves the back door open so that he or she might make an escape from commitment. As soon as it gets demanding in some way, they're out of here. A person, she will put it in these words, a person who hears the message and accepts it with joy at once, but he has no root in himself. So he stays on for a while, but as soon as some trouble or persecution arises on account of the message, he immediately falls away. It's immediately, I'm out of here. This is a person, and believe me, God loves these people, and I don't have, con I don't have any condemnation for anybody. I do have tremendous grief. But this is a person whose commitments are superficial, who always has a back door. You think of the Apostle Paul. Did he have a rewarding life? On a scale of 1 to 10, how committed was he? Yeah. Uh, if, he had been, if, he, if he had been kind of tentatively committed, saying, I'll see how this works out, <laughs> we would never read about him. Now, here's the third. Here's the third. The third obstacle is a person who's unprepared to uproot and forsake other agendas. He or she wants to add the kingdom of God to their agenda without dropping anything else. Uh, this, uh, this won't work. James calls such a person double-minded and unstable in all their ways, people that can never receive anything from the Lord. And uh, Yeshua puts it this way. He says, now the seed sown among thorns stands for someone who hears the message, but it is choked by the worries of the world, the deceitful glamour of wealth, so that it produces nothing. This is the person who has not cleared out other agendas from their life, and the other agendas stifle the potentiality of the message of the kingdom. That's all the bad news. Let's get to the good news. What is the fruitful person? The fruitful person is a person who, under, who hears, who understands, and embodies the message of the kingdom, the summons to engage with who God is, 
and what he's up to in the world. This is the fruitful person. So, they internalize this divine summons and embrace its implications so that the message lives in them and they live in the message. They inhabit the message. The message inhabits them. Of such a person, Yeshua says it this way, however, what was sown on rich soil is the one who hears the message and understands it. Such a person will surely bear fruit a hundred or sixty or thirty times what is sown. So now, I want to bother you a little further. What does it mean to be fruitful? That's a good question. And here's my answer. I'll ask you this. When an apple... Uh, when an apple seed is fruitful, how do we know that the apple seed is fruitful, Rusty? A tree is, uh, sprouts up and you have apples. And each of those apples has what in it? More seeds. More seeds. That's how we know that a seed is fruitful. It produces after its own kind. Man, this is important. What does it mean to be fruitful? It means to replicate and attract others who mirror what you live for and who you are. That's what it means to be fruitful. There are fruitful believers who are so magnetic, so, we say, on fire, they're so filled with the Spirit, they're so engaged that, that other people are attracted to them and other people catch what they have. This is what it means to be fruitful, to replicate and attract others who mirror what you live for and who you are. This is Douglas Arnold Hyde, born in 1911, died in 1996. He was an active communist organizer in the UK. He was involved for about 20 years, from the time he was 17 to the time he was 37. He was an active communist. Uh, then he became a believer, and he wrote a book. He wrote a number of books. The book I'm familiar with is Dedication and Leadership. And in that book, Dedication and Leadership, he compared communist indoctrination with Christian discipleship. And here's one of the things he said. Like attracts like. Those who, are, those who are attracted by the dedication they see within the movement will themselves be possessed by a, by a latent idealism, a capacity for dedication. I'm going to read this again. I'm going to read a little further. Like attracts like. Those who are attracted by the dedication they see within the movement, within our movement, will themselves be possessed of a latent idealism, a capacity for dedication. In other words, people who are potentially dedicated will be drawn to dedicated people. This de thus, dedication perpetuates itself. It sets the tone and the pace for a movement as a whole, this being so. The movement can make big demands upon its followers, knowing that the response will come if the majority of members of an organization are half-hearted and largely inactive, then it is not surprising if others who join it soon conform to the general pattern. 
if the organization makes relatively few demands upon its members, and if they quite obviously feel under no obligation to give a very great deal to it, then those who join may be forgiven for supposing that this is the norm and that this is what membership entails. If, on the other hand, the majority of members from the leaders down are characterized by the single-minded devotion to the cause, if it is quite clear that the majority are giving until it hurts, putting their time, their money, their thought, and, and their necessary life itself at its disposal, then those who consider joining will assume that this is what will be expected of them. If they nonetheless make the decision to join, they will come already conditioned to sacrifice until it hurts. So we reproduce after our kind. If we have received the invitation, the summons, the opportunity of the message of the kingdom to engage with who God is, to engage with what he's up to in the world, and if we receive it in a way which motivates appropriate action, then we will attract other people who want to be that way. But if we exhibit the diseased status of these three obstacles I outlined to you, where our commitment is, kind of, is in some cases, is hard to find at all, but at best is wishy-washy, then we're going to attract wishy-washy people. This is our final word. In a word, we are meant to be seeds of the kingdom, magnetic incarnations of the presence, purposes, and power of the Messiah. That's who we're meant to be. We're meant to be incarnations of the Spirit. The Spirit of Messiah lives in us, seeking to reproduce in us the character that attracted so many to him. Let's pray. God, your messages are too big for our feeble minds. It's a scary thing to teach the word of God because it's way beyond us. But it's not beyond you. It's not beyond you to light a fire in our hearts. It's not beyond you to help us to truly hear, to truly understand, and truly embody the message of the kingdom. So we plead with you, have mercy upon us. Help us. If we sense that our lives are mediocre, and if we sense that in one of those three uh, obstacle-laden, diseased states of minimal engagement, if we sense that that's us, God deliver us. May we be the kind of people who bring forth 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. May we be fruitful for the kingdom. 
May we be magnetic for the kingdom. May we attract others who will likewise be fruitful and magnetic. More apples that contain their own seeds, that produce more trees, that produce more apples until Yeshua comes again. Help us, we pray, with thanksgiving and confidence in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please?